0: This episode is sponsored by World Anvil. World Anvil is an award-winning world-building and writing software for people who love to create rich and exciting worlds. Dungeon Crawlers. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone. Welcome to an exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers where, well, we're going to be talking about some stuff. You know, uh, for many of you, you've played this little game maybe once, maybe twice, maybe you've done it for decades. We're going to be talking about Dungeons & Dragons and the craziness that has been spiraling across the universe that is now owned, well, has been owned by uh, Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro and some of the things they've been doing. But before we start, we found this really crazy chest that was sitting in the middle of nowhere, and we just decided to open it up. And someone randomly popped out and you never, you would never know who it was. Never, ever guess. Hello
1: there.
2: Hey everybody, how's it going? It's Obi-Wan Oh, I mean, it's Alton
1: (laughs) Kenobi. (laughs) If only, if only.
0: (laughs) However, you know, we do know that, you know, Krebs' brother did say he stuffed Alton in a chest somewhere and threw it, it tossed the chest, you know, into the, the, the Chesapeake Bay, but. We never knew that he was being serious. Just Very goes to show,
2: just goes to show, if you crawl enough dungeons, you will find the treasure.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like that chest that magically floats up onto the beach, and you, you just hear that bump, 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 You know, like Jumanji. <laughs> yeah,
1: I do. I do have to admit, though, while I was in there, so just some awful things happened, and I, I'm just glad to be able to be here to get it off my chest. <laughs> oh, uh, punish! I have,
0: I have, I have missed the puns. There's so much, Matthew, so much, Matthew will, Matthew, Matthew will be offended that you said that. They are so much better than the dad jokes.
1: I mean, I can correct dad jokes too, but
0: yes, they are.
1: All right, <laughs> so
0: you know, uh, Alton ha- has always had his eyes, ears, hands out into the universe that is gaming. Uh, you know. If you listen to many of our shows. You know he's always been the person we've. De- you know we we have our knowledge, but he his knowledge goes above and far beyond that. You know he is like Thanks. our Gandalf. Uh, he, he for for those who may not
2: know, he has uncanny instincts when it comes to the world of tabletop as an industry. He's yes. absolutely stellar, and and I Daniel, you nailed it on the head. He is our Gandalf
1: oh see now you guys make me want to like come back and record more episodes when you say nice things like that well, you come should. On. come on guys that's not nice well here's the thing okay life is all about patterns life is yes. all about rolling the dice and seeing what comes up and getting advantage when you can and uh holy cannoli Management of Dungeons and Dragons over the last few years has been really, really weird. And one of the most notable things last year at Gamma, which is the Game Manufacturers Association convention, they have a trade show every spring, Wizards of the Coast didn't show up. And at that point, I made some dire predictions but I did not anticipate the drama that happened with the OGL. And I think that that's what we're here to talk about. tonight. Oh yeah. Yes, it is.
0: I, I, I mean, honestly, I feel like when they threw that OGL out, they rolled a one. I mean, it wasn't a two, it wasn't a three. It was a one solid across the board. I have never seen, I mean, we, over the years, you know, we've watched how, um, you know, like fans of star Wars fans of Lord of the Rings and that have gotten all fired up. Um, but man, I, when that OGL came out, it's like the entire world just dropped a firebomb and said, Nope, we're not doing this.
1: Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think if anywhere, the, uh, the, the, if there was anywhere that Wizards of the Coast rolled a one here, it's in reading comprehension <laughs> because even before we get into any of the details here, I just want to remind everybody what the word irrevocable means. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and uh, any of you who are out there listening who just want to like pause and go look it up, you are more than welcome to. I'm just going to sum up uh, irrevocable means that, that, that you can't you can't undo it. Yeah. You can't just step back and legally it has its own implications, but beyond that, when you build a product that is community centered like this, you make certain promises that are irrevocable regardless of the particular contracts you write up and holy cow, I'm so excited to talk about this. So on that wise,
2: uh, there are many people who either haven't heard the news or they've heard it piecemeal, or even if they followed it, they don't necessarily fully understand it can you boil this down for the average person and help them understand
1: what just happened yeah um so i'll actually even take it a step beyond that because i think it'll help lay the foundations here let's talk about the history of what happened when hasbro purchased wizards of the coast Wizards Mm. of the Coast had been going through a renaissance, and it was growing in a way that was very attractive to Hasbro, who is, in essence, an IP holder. Their whole business model revolves around just getting good intellectual properties and holding on to them until they can them for all they're worth. And when Wizards of the Coast was being purchased, a lot of players in the community started to get very nervous about what that meant for Dungeons & Dragons. And at the same time, because 3.0 was coming out, there was a lot of concern from even within Wizards of the Coast about how they would be able to produce enough premium content for players under what is going to be a massive change in management.
2: I'm sorry, 3.0?
1: Yes. So Dungeons & Dragons has gone through multiple editions. And a lot of people really, when they picture in their minds, they're thinking about, uh advanced dungeons and dragons right which is second edition yeah um, yeah and second edition already did a lot of improvements over first edition which was just kind of a ramshackle thrown together a whole bunch of different things that worked together but really needed a lot of homebrew to get moving again and so tsr before Wizards of the Coast, Mm -hmm. said that they wanted to update the game and put together a new edition of the game that was more cohesively designed from the ground up. And they put a lot of time, energy, and resources into Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and it exploded. There's a whole tale there about the people at TSR, the inner drama, mixing, matching. I think we've even talked about it on a couple of other episodes. But TSR sold everything to wizards of the coast who took it over and said yes but let's do it even better and started to produce third edition dungeons and dragons yeah while all of this is going on hasbro starts courting them people are already nervous about transitioning to the new edition of the game to begin with they're already nervous about being able to bring content with them and someone at wizards of the coast a lawyer i believe it was (laughs) had an idea that said, what if we created some kind of licensing agreement with the community at large that enabled creators to go and make cool things using our system without fear of us coming and hunting them down so long as they follow specific rules and aren't infringing upon some of the unique story elements of our intellectual property. We'll let them utilize all of the base rules necessary to play the game. And so as a result, they created two different documents. And here's where our our uh our abbreviations come in the srd which is the source reference document and the ogl which is the open gaming license and these two things worked in tandem the srd's job was to contain the core identity of what the mechanical aspects of dungeons and dragons were while exempting or excluding anything that was more the story elements as an example you will not find Dritz in the srd that Correct. is protected intellectual property they knew that there was money there they wanted to be able to publish books they didn't want everybody in their dog going out and creating dritzed content that people might confuse as official D content yeah but they saw that there was some advantage in getting people to adopt a new system, especially knowing that there were problems in 3.0 and they needed to update to a 3.5, that if they created this license with the community that said, yeah, copy the text verbatim from this source reference document, use it however you want, as long as you include the context or, or the content of this license, which is that OG all we talked about, Mm -hmm. in your product you can publish things and say that they are compatible with dungeons and dragons third edition then 3.5 the community got super excited about this because they purposefully went out of their way to word the license the open gaming license in such a way that it was irrevocable yeah WotC couldn't just jump in and say, you're no longer allowed to publish under this license for arbitrary reasons. They couldn't come in and steal your stuff. And it created a very fertile breeding ground for people to start to create their own content. And so as the transition to Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 happened, there was this explosion of content. Everybody in their game group, wanted to show the home rules that they'd come up with and the campaign settings and all this other stuff. People wanted to be able to create accessories and things like that. There's a small group of designers who saw kind of what was going on, saw there was an opportunity to create accessories and wizards of the coast wasn't taking advantage of it. So they established their own company and started making products for it. We'll come back to them in just a minute. But at the core of all of that was this open gaming license, which basically says, Similar to a Creative Commons license nowadays, you can use anything that's inside this document as long as you include the full text of the open gaming license in your product, you have to give credit where credit is due, and you can't hoard it. If you put something out using OGL uh, as its foundational license, people are allowed to remix and add on to what you have created so long as they also properly credit you along the way. And it was a really cool thing to be able to build all of this. Wizards moved on to fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons, which while foundationally is a very good game, was not received well by the community because a lot of things that people had come to associate with Dungeons and Dragons just weren't there. And it felt a lot more like a tactics tabletop war game than a role playing game. I I was
0: going to say, if I remember right, they're kind of trying to pull the work, the World of Warcraft type players, or like into the, the, the tabletop,
2: the, the like Warhammer 40k kind of stuff,
0: or yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, they get yeah. them onto the table,
1: and and you know, and, and but with that, they tried to move away from the open gaming license of Third Edition and 3.5 and produce a completely different license. Not only did people reject the system, but the limited number of content creators who were trying to look at it at that point just openly hated the license and mm-hmm. were very vocal about it. And so wizards took it all back, scrapped it up. And when they released fifth edition, which we have been enjoying for jeez over a decade now. Yeah. They went back to the core text of the original open gaming license and updated it to focus on the fifth edition SRD. I'm sorry. Fifth edition is already 10 years old. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was younger than that. I thought fifth edition was like no. maybe
2: four or five. Curse, no.
1: of, Curse of Strahd came out in 2012. Oh my gosh. I yeah. did realize. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so by the way, great module in case any of you haven't played it. <laughs> I'm running a group through it right now. I'm having a fantastic time and I'm testing a whole bunch of stuff with them. It's, it's fun. We'll talk about that some other point, but the bigger point here, meaning being that they went back to the original text of the open gaming license, which says anybody can create things as long as you're properly crediting people who have come before you. Life is good and then the pandemic happened and there was some change of management at wizards of the coast and then there was some change of management at hasbro and most notably chris cox who's the current ceo of hasbro um who came up through wizards of the coast uh it that there were things said and done that they were really never quite happy with the way that D and D was monetized or magic. The gathering was monetized. And they even made open statements saying as much that they considered these IPs to be critically under monetized. That already raised some heckles in the community. People were not very happy about that. Yeah. Um, But what they tried to do was create a new version of the open gaming license. On the surface level, this is where we're going to take a little bit of intermediary questions before we move on, but I want to set up a spoiler alert. Even if the foundational premise of their updates made some level of business sense, like I understand where they were coming from, the way that they went about it and specifically the timing and everything else was really unfortunate. And they sent out this updated license to a limited number of content creators and consultants, people with whom they were already in bed ahead of time. And somebody decided to leak it to the public. (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) booey. It kicked (laughs) up a lot of dust. I've been talking for a while, so I want to make sure, does that kind of sum up everything up until this point without getting too much into the content of what changed? Yeah, it's
2: actually very good to have that context because I didn't realize sort of like the licensing history that was going on here. Uh, just the current kerfuffle has been obviously hot on the radar, and uh, and uh, so so what you're saying is like this whole this whole history. I mean, we're talking about multiple decades yeah. of like leading up to this point.
1: Yeah, the original well, open gaming <clears throat> license I think was 2001. It might have been 2000 yeah, even. Yeah, it was. I mean, and the the, the thing that has been so great about the license is
0: the fact that there's these other content creators can add i mean as it is dungeons and dragons itself is a homebrew system i mean more people run homebrew games with their own rule sets and everything than they do from modules you know honestly fifth edition the only reason at least the people i know the only reason they pick up those books is to get additional content whether that's a cl- new class new feats new magic items new monsters whatever um you know and when they originally announced fifth edition when i uh, when i was at, at gen con that's exactly how they said it it's kind of like, it's going to be like dlcs you don't need every book you have the core rules you you can play with that but if you want this dlc pack you buy the book you have it which i thought was a good idea you know, you didn't have to have everything, you know, because I do know there's some people out there that felt like, oh, you have to have every book just so you can run the game. You didn't with this. And then they, they had the open gaming license. So other people could add, I mean, Cobalt Press puts out some really amazing books. They put out a fantastic one about Drow. Yeah. Uh, there is, in my opinion, much better than anything Wizards of the Coast has put out. And and I've loved drow since, you know, my very first time reading Bob's Salvatore's uh books about Drits. um
1: (laughs) a way way that i've phrased this to people as they've asked me like what's the big deal with this is imagine you're a farmer Mm -hmm. and you have got acres and acres and acres and none of it is plowed the the equivalent thing being here we've just launched a brand new edition of dungeons and dragons we have lost a ton of content that existed in 3.5 4.0, 3.0, AD&D, original D&D, right? And not everybody is going to be happy out of the gate, but there's also a lot of ground that just has to be worked and plowed. Yeah, The open gaming license was essentially a hire for help sign that went up and said, hey, anybody out there, you can come and plow my fields. You can plant your seeds. I'll let you keep some of the profit. I'll let you keep some of what you plant. And in exchange... More people are going to be willing to shop from my farm because I have a better selection of crops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And especially when you're moving away from what was such a rich and expansive. I mean, the amount of content that was created for third edition and 3.5 is still to this day unmatched by any RPG. Yeah. It's insane. And then fourth edition was received so poorly that there really wasn't any time to start porting out all this old content to begin with. So now you've got to have that content somewhere, and the OGL was the fastest way to put life yeah. into that. So then, uh, now that we have that picture, what
2: the heck just happened? What mm-hmm. what event now just took place? What's the new member of this history? <laughs> so, just there a- was a
0: die rolled and it ended up what one. That's what happened. <laughs>
1: That's we'll back. we'll talk about which dice were which dice <laughs> were rolled and how many of them came up ones in a moment, but I'd like to call back to my story just a moment ago in which I was saying that there were a number of designers at Wizards of the Coast who realized that they could create game accessories for mm-hmm. 3.5 okay. and 3.0, right? When development started on fourth edition, they vehemently opposed it. They just didn't agree with the design direction. It felt like it was leaving behind a whole bunch of people. And so these designers who had been publishing all of these additional game aids decided to break off and start developing their own iteration of 3.5 that was based off of that standard reference document. That company changed its name as it was getting ready to publish its first RPG <laughs> to Pizo and yep. published Pathfinder, <laughs> colloquially known as Mathfinder or 3.75. <laughs> it is... A revamp, and in my opinion, an upgrade in almost all senses to 3.5. Um, it, at the same time that Wizards was taking all of the crunch out of the game, turning it into a tabletop tactics kind of a thing, this group of people came in and reintroduced something that was very familiar. Even if it was bulky for a lot of enfranchised players who had been around for 30 years, it was comfortable, and it solved a lot of the problems that existed in 3.5. Needless to say, Wizards of the Coast was not a huge fan of having spawned their largest direct competitor out of an open gaming license that was originally (laughs) meant to be focused on the fans. And so in an effort to not only additionally monetize the game, but maybe prevent some of this competition from going on. This is my opinion. I'm not a legal expert and I'm not going on. No one has gone on the record at WotC saying we did this to shove it. You know, it is what it is. But in all reality, they needed to prevent other companies from being able to iterate on their work going forward. And so they rolled out this updated draft of the OGL that did a few things all at once, and most of them very poorly. The first was that it added um, language that was more plain than what was in the original open gaming license. The original open gaming license was written in legalese by a lawyer. It is a legally binding document, and it reads and looks like a traditional contract. It's very straightforward if you understand the legalese but is written for the courts they rewrote it in more common terms and added annotations and other things like that which called attention to a lot of sections and rights and things that they already had but people had never really thought about before Mm. the second thing that they did was that they added a whole series of clauses around what you could do to monetize your content and specifically put a limit on it that said, if you make more than $50,000 a year, you have to register your work with us. We need to know that you exist. We need to know that you are making stuff. And after you make three quarters of a million dollars, we are going to take either 20 or 25%. We'll talk about that in a second. Of anything that you make past that three quarters of a million dollars. In almost all cases, it was going to be 25%. That understandably, I think, got a lot of people nervous because if you're a content creator and it isn't really clear what you can and cannot do with Wizards Intellectual Property and then now they're saying, if you ever make more than three quarters of a million dollars, we're going to take 25% of it. You you don't start out a project with the intention of making a million dollars, but if the potential is there, it's a real feel bad if somebody else is telling you, now you got to pay me your lunch money. And 25% is a huge honking number on paper, even though it really only applied to any money made above three quarters of a million dollars. Oh, it doesn't change the fact that it made people feel really gross. The third part that was also a huge misstep, in my opinion, on Watsi's part is I mentioned that you could get charged either 25% or 20% that 20% was specifically for anybody who decided to put their stuff on Kickstarter, which was quote, their preferred publisher that drew a lot of attention from a lot of people because it raised the question. What is actually covered? Yeah. Under this license. What can I do? What can't I do? If I put yeah. a project that is related to five E or compatible with five E up on Kickstarter. Does that mean that Wizards is now allowed to just come take 20% of it? And it caused a lot of confusion and a lot of problems at the same time that all of this is going on. I remind you, this has been leaked (laughs) and everybody is starting to get weird about this. Because we now live in an age of social media and Mm -hmm. content creation. People are monetizing exactly what we're doing right now. Talking about things, loving things, playing games, getting passionate, showing people how to upgrade, how to change things up. And it drew a lot of questions from content creators about whether or not their videos fell under this guideline even though the overwhelming majority of people are never going to make three quarters of a million dollars on dungeons and dragons content again it feels really bad if you have a video that goes viral and then all of a sudden now you're a big deal and now you have overhead that you're just paying a tax yeah it felt really weird and at the same time wizards recalled multiple times throughout their draft that hey, you know, if you're making more money, like, come talk to us about a licensing fee. Come talk to us about a licensing fee. And everybody just kind of said, well, why isn't there a path there? And we know, because of their history over the last few years, that trying to get licensing from Wizards of the Coast is nearly impossible. Yep. Yeah. I am not going to blow anyone's mind. Or I, I don't think I'm going to shatter any confidences or anything when I say, if you want an example of this, look at the new Dragonlance trilogy that's coming out. If you missed the news from a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. Wizards of the Coast just decided to revoke the license for um, Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss to go and write their new Dragonlance series, which is really weird because they paid cash up front for the right to use it and had agreed to a licensing agreement on top of that that would give Wizards a percentage of everything that was there. So what faith does the community have that Wizards is even going to negotiate with them in good faith if there's a contract that they can just fall back on and say, "Well, you agreed to it, so now you've got to give us twenty five percent." Yeah, it just well, and, makes no sense.
0: And the weird thing about that too is, you know, they they allowed Bob Salvatore to take off to someone else, mm-hmm. uh, some other publisher with his Dritz novels.
1: Yeah. So yep. you've got this. You've got this company who has a, a, a history of not being able to monetize their own content well, of not being able to help other people who want to monetize the content do it legally and with yeah. good licensing agreements. And now they're trying to start strong arm an entire community of people who are ostensibly mostly fans into agreeing that if you ever make money on our product, we get some.
2: Now, you well, know, I... in, talking, in talking about like, kind of like, it's kind of funny how they said, you know, with the OpenGL, you can't hoard your product, right? You got to be able mm-hmm. to share it. And that is part of their foundational license, although they also have the s r. d et cetera but um then you mentioned that that um it's it's been uh sort of like it's known how difficult it is to get a licensing agreement with Watsy mm-hmm. Was that watsy's behavior prior to, uh, the Hasbro acquisition, like uh, Hasbro acquiring watsy Because like you and I have talked about this. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't see this until you pointed this out to me because I'm not as in the industry as you are. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to get something from, from Hasbro that was, you know, absolutely unique to their distribution. And then you pointed out to me that they're that they're basically an IP vault. They love to get popular, nostalgic IPs, and then they just milk that as hard as they can and they don't share it with anybody. And then Hasbro acquired Watsi. So was this Watsi's behavior prior to Hasbro and they just end up being like two peas in a pod? Or is And what, irrespective of that answer, has this behavior been
1: made worse by being acquired by Hasbro? It's a slightly complicated question because Wizards of the Coast prior to being purchased by Hasbro, while not a small company, was still considerably more Wild West. They were less corporate than Hasbro is now. Yeah. So, as I understand it, Wizards of the Coast, broadly speaking was much more willing to work with people especially creators people who came to them with ideas that were just ready to go and all they needed to do was put their name on the line and collect a check for 10 percent every time that it you know went out every quarter right Mm -hmm. um but it wasn't always necessarily easy to obtain a license more because the organization wasn't always where it needed to be It wasn't always clear who to contact or where to get, especially in the context of a pre-DSL, pre-internet society, right? Like everything goes a little bit slower. And so really you had to work through an agent. You had to know somebody. You had to work your way in. But if you could get in, they were a little more easygoing on it. When they made the transition from 3.0 to 3.5, they pulled back a little bit. And that was during the period of time that they had been acquired by Hasbro. In the early years... It wasn't necessarily that they were anti-creator, but it was hit and miss. And when 4th edition was received so poorly by the community and that contract got kicked back and we started to get into 5th edition, at the very beginning they were very open to allowing people to create things. They were not litigious in nature and there were a lot of things that they had the full right to be able to go and shut down under traditional copyright and intellectual property law regardless of what their open gaming license said. Sure, that makes sense. But in the interest of promoting the game, it kind of sort of started to happen. Then over the last five years or so, maybe even a little bit longer than that, it started really clamping down a lot. Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro up until 2017 really had a pretty clear dividing line as to who was what. And then it started to blur. They removed being able or they they removed the ability for game stores to order products directly from them as a great example. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us in the industry started getting really concerned about that. And then they started limiting the number of distributors that you could get things through. And a lot of us started getting really concerned about that. And then they started selling directly on Amazon. And then they started cracking deals directly with critical role who at this point had now started to take over the internet. And you watch this slide where there's not an explicit overt, overt, clear cause that says someone at Hasbro specifically stepped in and started making the calls. But it is weirdly coincidental that Chris Cox, who came from wizards of the coast takes over as the new CEO of Hasbro after he's already been assisting the previous CEO for a few years in directing how that strategy is supposed to work. And now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden nobody can do anything and everything gets really weird. That does not necessarily mean that it was Chris Cox specifically, who was making those calls. I don't want to assert that in any way, shape, or form. But as all of those power dynamics changed, people got promoted, people got moved around. Wizards of the Coast, who for a while has been Hasbro's most profitable arm in terms of active production anyway, a lot of those people were starting to be brought into the Hasbro organization. So naturally, where are they going to put their attention? Where they know it. And as the pandemic came on, the only part of Hasbro that has made money in 2022 was wizards of the coast. Yeah. That is a huge deal. If every portion of your company, except for one relatively small publisher is losing money, you're going to put your attention on the thing that's making you money. And you're going to try to figure out how to leverage it to its maximum capability. If you also believe that there's a global, a crisis about to come on in terms of uh, financial issues right. and things like that. Like it, it makes a lot of sense. And again, if you look at this strictly from the business perspective, not thinking about how the community is going to react to it or anything else, you're updating a document that lets anybody do basically anything they want with your content to one that says, this is a document that was aimed towards the fans. The fans can still do whatever they want, but if you are going to be a million dollar organization, we expect you to license with us.
0: Now it's time to chat about our sponsor, World Anvil. World Anvil is an award-winning world-building and writing software for people who love to create rich and exciting worlds. With their software, you can create your world, manage your campaign, plan your novel, create a world wiki, wow your players, make novels more interactive, and make your worlds come to life. You can find them at WorldAnvil.com, and if you put in the discount code DCR 40, you will receive a 40% discount today.
2: So, and that and that probably is where perhaps, like you were talking about earlier, like, you know, you imagine that you're a small content creator and you magically go big all of a sudden, which, which is like every major content creator that's out there, that's their story, mm-hmm. right? They started off small, they were just doing what they love, and then all of a sudden it caught fire mm-hmm. uh, in, in a good way. Um, and th- i'm 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 melding everything that you're saying with the fact that in our current economic scenario, we currently have kind of, we're in this weird recession where we have a number of job openings, yet companies are cutting positions. Mm. We also have a situation where for the first time since um I think I've, I, th- I think since post depression, um for the first time we have a problem where the number of able bodied workers that that are that are choosing not to work or that are just not actively engaged in an open position for some other corporate company or whatever hmm. is at a staggering all-time high like yeah. it's enormous and the question becomes how is it that we have this many open positions but we have uh, reflected on the other side of that is a number of people just choosing not to work. And the answer is, with the explosion of social media, with the pandemic showing people that they had to basically find a way to make a living while they're at home, with things like TikTok and... And uh, YouTube is kind of like fallen to the back of the. It's still very, very popular, but it's actually getting harder and harder to monetize, et cetera. But like Twitch is out there. Vimeo is out there. And then and, and I'm, I'm going to call this one out too. OnlyFans has had an enormous explosion in participation. Yep. Um, and other, other members of that particular industry have opened up to content creation for profit, all yep. that stuff, right? So you have all these people who are at home making hundreds of thousands of dollars every quarter let alone across a year and and then it's like okay so now here comes this new license or at least a proposed new license where it's like cool we're going to protect the little people but if you become big now we're in business together right that's what the license basically suggests or basically states
1: and and that's where we get to the timing component Mm -hmm. right because if this ogl update had been put forward in 2019 it would have still kicked up a little bit of dust, but, but not again, like the vast now. majority of people would not have had a problem with it. But in a post pandemic world where people were stuck at home and spent a lot of time picking up tabletop RPGs and content for tabletop RPGs, and finally getting around to writing that content that they've always had in the back of their head or that one module that their friends always make them run every year, their side rules and things like that. Not only are there more people creating content, but there are more people consuming content. Yes. And there's a uniqueness in the fact that Wizards of the Coast has been able to maintain what is virtually, though not technically, a monopoly in the RPG space. There are many, many people who can tell you about RPGs that aren't Dungeons & Dragons, Mm -hmm. but they're... I, I, I doubt that there is a single person who plays a role playing game who cannot tell you what Dungeons and Dragons is. And it's That's a good very small percentage of people who haven't played it. Mm-hmm. There are occasionally, very rarely someone who has played other RPGs who hasn't played Dungeons and Dragons. Mostly it revolves around an IP issue of they don't like high fantasy. They really wanted to play a sci-fi campaign or right. things like that. But that's highly, highly unusual. And beyond that, a lot of the complaints that people were levying about this new version of the OGL are actually complaints that already existed in the 1.0 version of the OGL. The fact is, is that if you leverage Wizards of the Coast's IP incorrectly, they do have a right to terminate your license under the Open Gaming License. If you are being a racist, homophobic, bigoted person, Wizards of the Coast already has the right to sue you for all your worth and shut down your ability to produce content. That was never a real question. But because they decided to release it in plain text as much as they could, it raised a lot of concerns with people who had never actually asked the question, do I have to use the OGL for this? Do I have to Mm. use a standard reference document for this? At the end of the day, some exceptions, streamers really were never going to be affected by this. But Critical Role, who makes that kind of money? Critical Role, specifically if they were putting out game content that was using the exact text from the system's reference document, Yes, it would affect them. But the fact is is that game mechanics cannot be copywritten. What I mean by that is the idea that makes a mechanic work cannot be protected intellectual property. Mm -hmm. The way that I write it down and explain it to somebody else can be. The open gaming license protects the SRD as a document and gives you the permission to literally copy-paste the whole thing if you want and put it into your work as long as you that's okay but if i can explain to you that i have a really neat mechanic in my role-playing game in which occasionally i will allow you to roll 2d20s and choose the result i have just described advantage without using the exact text that is in the srd Mm. that is completely fine and legal and for many content creators they already were rephrasing all of these things anyway, and then still putting the OGL license, uh, the OGL text at the beginning, because they didn't understand what they were doing. Paizo, when they created first edition Pathfinder did straight lift most of the SRD to be able to build it because they were essentially building an augment to the 3.5 system. When they moved on to Pathfinder second edition, they did include the OGL, Because there were still certain sections of text that they had copied over because they represented particular abilities or magic items or things like that, and it was easier to put it in and just blanket cover it rather than go through and try to weed out any remnants of an old document. But the vast majority of content creators, TikTok stars, YouTubers, podcasters were never really going to be affected by this anyway. So then if that's the case,
2: if if what you're saying is that the biggest change to the OGL, as we understand it right now, is that it basically just um, clarified, used Mm.
1: layperson language as opposed to legalese, then... It it did uh, add the points around needing to register your content if you made over $50,000. What does register licensing. mean? So it, it wasn't perfectly clear in the original document, but in essence, you would have to get in contact with them. You would have to have an active account on d and Beyond so that you would be able to agree to whatever the current terms and conditions were. Mm. <laughs> and then you would have to notify Wizards that you had produced content that was worth more than $50,000 in the calendar year. So that they knew that they needed to watch and see if your company all of a sudden got big, which is a really weird feel bad. But beyond that, the other sections, many, most of the other sections that people were complaining about already existed. Continue. Sorry. So so then, I mean...
2: When this news broke, it broke big and there was a huge social furor over it. So if this is really just this was the original license, except that they also made some, you know, additional clauses around monetization of, uh, you know, once you get past three quarters of a mil, that Mm. that being the case, what is what is the big uprising? Do you think the big uprising is really about now they understand it? They just didn't look at it before. Or is there really an impact here that we don't understand?
1: Well, This is where I call back to literally the first thing that I mentioned here. Do we all remember the word irrevocable? Yeah, that thing. Yeah. So when Wizards put this out, they said that it was replacing the 1.0a version of the OGL and removed some of the language that made it irrevocable. And beyond that, by forcing content creators to register through D&D Beyond, there was, in my opinion, a real and legitimate fear that wizards could just update the terms and conditions on that site whenever they wanted and therefore be able to change the terms and conditions of what they'd agreed to. And again, maybe the limit starts at $750,000, but then they realized there's a lot of people making 300 to $500,000 in a calendar year. So maybe we'll just drop it to a quarter million. Yeah. That's a huge problem. And beyond that, because the, core reasoning behind the open gaming license was essentially to provide a fan resource and to encourage people to monetize the space. Even though I don't think that they actually had a major legal ground to stand on, to eliminate the original OGL to begin with here, there was an implicit trust that was broken. That's true. Because we love this hobby. We're passionate about it. We want to share the cool stories that we have and we want to share the things that fix the game mechanics that break for our particular groups. And no two groups are going to play the same. So if I'm having a problem with my group of people, I want to be able to go online and talk to somebody else who has solved it and have a better solution at my fingertips without the fear that Wizards of the Coast is going to come in. And deauthorize that content, take it off the internet for no reason, and maybe even come after me as somebody who was receiving, purchasing, or distributing that content for some reason. That's a huge problem. And even if none of that was legally viable, the fact that somebody at Wizards of the Coast, multiple people at wizards of the coast were able to get through this document and sign off on it to the point that there was a launch date that was starting to be disclosed to content creators who were in the know shows that their intent at its core was going to impact the fan base's ability to enjoy their game. Yeah. And it left a whole bunch of weird, uncomfortable distaste in people's mouths. Because if I love it today and I want to love it 10 years from now, I don't want some massive multi-billion dollar international corporation to show up at my house one day with a court summons saying that because I posted a YouTube video five years ago that happened to discuss their particular game mechanic, they now have the rights to take me to court take everything I'm worth, shut down my channel, et cetera, because they now consider me competition for whatever reason, or because my particular flavor of the game doesn't match up with what they consider to be true D and D in quotes. They already had one of the other sections that they called out is their ability to be able to deal with bigotry, racism, et cetera. They already had that right to begin with. And beyond that, not even six months earlier, they published Spelljammer, which contained a simian race that is a race of monkeys rescued from a jungle area who were now subservient slaves to all of these other races and who really enjoyed the work that they did and doesn't that feel great and regardless of what anybody's individual politics on this thing is objectively step back for a second and think about where the social consciousness is on that issue
2: yeah the optics aren't great
1: The optics aren't great, and now this company who has just published that and made money off of it while cutting out content creators of color in the process is saying, we know better how to manage your bigotry than you do, and therefore we're going to add language to our licensing agreement that allows us to come in and swoop in for any reason. If you do something offensive, which is a little bit of a subjective thing to begin with, we have the right to just come in and take it away. So then
2: then there's this huge furor that goes Mm -hmm. on right and then we find some uh public announcements where they basically they and here's where i think they made a huge mistake but i don't want to color the conversation just yet but they they basically come out and they say hey what you guys saw was just a draft. It's just and we were we were soliciting feedback. We wanted to hear what you thought. This is this was never gonna be hundred percent concrete. This was just a draft in work. And mm-hmm. we intended to make changes. And and so then so then that happens just very briefly, because we are running out of time, but just very briefly, yeah. what are your thoughts on that particular maneuver at that point in time?
1: Who is the document for? If it was for the community. Why wasn't it put in front of the community first? Yeah. If it was for content creators, yeah, you put it in front of content creators first, most of whom you already have existing contracts with. Yeah. So, what? No. Even if, let's assume that they are being fully upfront and honest about this, and that their intention was to release it to a small group of creators first, and after they got the sign-off there, then release it to the broader community And they were going to do a period of feedback like they did. That just feels like extra steps that doesn't make a lot of sense because either it's legally sound and you have enough common sense to understand where your player base is, that it's going to be okay. And you want that feedback from the community, which means that you should get it sooner, Or you don't have any of those things, which means that it is in your best interest to go to the community first to see where they're at. And, and, and that's the, 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 the crux of all of this is we've talked a little bit about death of the author before and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely true of games, but especially collaborative storytelling games, role-playing games like dungeons and dragons. There comes a point at which there is official content And then there's the game and official content is part of the game, but it isn't the game. Yeah. The game, even though legally it is the intellectual property of Hasbro is the, for lack of a better way to do it. It's for the social use of a much larger, more encompassing group of people and a larger, much more encompassing group of content than Hasbro is ever physically capable of producing. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to enact a document that affects the way that that's going to be used, you better be catering to the largest possible audience and not just trying to penalize the few who are actively promoting your game in a big way. Well,
0: the th- funny thing about this is, you know, like Krebs said, if they just would have been forthright, I mean, first off, whoever was the mar- the in charge of the marketing plan of rolling this out really failed. Yeah. I mean, not only that, immediately seeing the backlash, there should have been s- uh, uh, you know some war room conference where they had their entire marketing team of like, okay, craps hit the fan. Yeah. What do we do? And whoever said, "Hey, let's just say this was a draft," needs to seriously. That must have been some guy fresh out of college and was maybe eighteen or nineteen, because you
1: know, uh, or I'm a Scooby Doo one. Mar-
0: yeah, I mean, I'm going to school <laughs> for marketing, and you know, the, the you know, and even w- with over my career, the best thing to do is to own your mistakes. Yeah, and say, "Wow, we really hosed it on this one." We thought we had an idea, but clearly you guys are not happy with this. We're going to go back to the drawing board and we're going to try to come up with something better, you know, yeah. and, but instead, no, this was a draft. I mean, there is nothing more infuriating, by then by trying to set, by then trying to cover your
1: tracks. Yeah. The, so, so the, Wizards the, of the Coast, just for a frame of reference for everybody at home, Wizards of the Coast went on to D&D Beyond and made a post in which they said, those words this was all yeah. a draft. we all intended on bringing everybody together but there's another problem there they released a version of that statement and then shortly thereafter they released a different version of that statement yeah within a few yep. minutes that's yeah. really really weird for something that is clearly sincere and contrite yeah. and to the point well their apology
2: was just a draft
1: yeah 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 yes. yeah, 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 yeah yeah sorry yeah. And, and i do <laughs> understand drafts but if you're a multi billion dollar organization billion with a b a heavy uppercase b Yes. You better have multiple people checking your apology before it goes onto the internet, because the internet is forever, my friends. The well, moment I mean, it goes up, it's there. I mean, story. to be honest, Wizards
0: is notorious <laughs> for, for things like this. I mean, when, mm-hmm. you know, the Crin book came out, uh, the Dragonlance book came out, and the, the ads for that, the name of the planet, which is Kryn, K-R-Y-N-N, was spe-
1: misspelled to K-Y-R-N-N. Mm-hmm. Seriously, how I mean, this and and in the ad content they were putting ad, out too at yeah, the beginning, and in the rest insane. of the ad content,
0: it's like, how do you screw up? I mean, I put out a book, I've you know, I have an editor that goes through it, I have a um, someone that checks for content, you know, I have someone that checks, make sure spelling is correct and you know, and cohesive, you know, and, and that's after the fact that I've had other people look at the material. This is a big corporation. They've got to have more people. I mean, heck Brandon Sanderson, I know has a massive team that goes through and is constantly checking those things. You know, I don't think I've ever seen i could be wrong. I don't think I've ever seen an error in a single one of Brandon's books.
1: Well, and, and then on top of that, right. The, the line that really got me in their apology is people are going to tell you that they won and we lost. But really, we all won. What? <laughs> I know. So first, if you're, if you're actually going to apologize, if you really think that that is what the community is, but you have actually won, you don't need to announce your victory, bud. No, you You just don't. show up and you just say, you know what? Thank you for your feedback. As it yeah. turns out, we were really off base and we're glad that you spoke up. By the way, anybody at Wizards, if you want to hire me as your PR person, I got you, fam. I just came up I've, with that on the spot. Like, I, yeah. I mean,
0: honestly, it, I mean, the three of us have looked at this and all of us have unanimously said, wow, you guys really host this. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You don't say, you know, you don't put sides. You don't throw down fences. Um, you, just say, you just say, you know, we really appreciate all the feedback you've given us. This is going to allow us to create a better community and a better game. Leave it.
1: And then more leaks start coming from inside the company. Yeah. More people talking about how decisions are moving forward. They've already mm-hmm. drafted another version of it that they're getting ready to publish and it's going to have a really short time period to go up and somebody from inside the company sends out an email to a crap ton of content <laughs> creators. Yeah. Including content creators who were not previously affiliated with Wizards of the Coast that essentially said the only thing management cares about right now is numbers. Cancel yep. your D and D Beyond subscriptions if you want this to change. Wizards <laughs> of the Coast, who had just purchased D and D Beyond in 2022, and then immediately cut its support staff by a substantial amount. I've heard that it was as high as 75. percent. I've heard that's other what numbers. I heard.
0: I, I heard 70 to 75. Yeah.
1: So the only way that you can actually cancel your D and D Beyond subscription is to email in
0: yep mm,
1: they, there's um, not even a way to do it within the app which it's is like ridiculous. a
2: gym it's like gold's yeah. gym i mean
0: leaks facebook leaks from twitter the, instagram all of it you can go into your settings and hit delete and it's gone
1: yeah and but leaks, not
0: dnd beyond
1: leaks from the inside of that call center or from that support center were saying that they received eighteen thousand tickets Eighteen thousand. yeah for a support staff that has just been quartered Yeah. And who is used to a workload of maybe a hundred tickets, 200 tickets a day. Okay. And people just start canceling in droves. Then wizards suddenly all of a sudden has a change of heart and says, well, we'll open up a survey. They should have done it to begin with, but we're going to put that aside and say, you know what? (laughs) There's just, just being bumbled and somebody didn't realize that that's what they really wanted the whole time. They put forward this survey that's only open for you for a few days. It also receives over 15,000 inputs. And then magically it goes away and all of a sudden, oh man, yeah, you know what? You you spoke and as it turns out, and we weren't really expecting this, but you guys really didn't like this, did you? No, of course we didn't. But the outcome to that, which is the current state, is Wizards, Wizards has published the entire SRD for fifth edition under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution license. Which means that, as long as you credit Wizards of the Coast following the Creative Commons 4.0 attribution license rules, you can use the SRD for whatever you want now. Yeah. And it is, and you can technically choose to go under the OGL if you wish. I don't recommend it. No, I nope. would just stick with Creative Commons. Um, but that took me by surprise, because after a serious, I'm not even going to say comedy of errors, I, I, I watched a clown car crash into a train of clown cars as it was hurtling <laughs> towards the sun during a supernova.
0: <laughs> while, while, while their pet dog was, you know, leashed to the back bumper. Gotta leave and, that
1: on there. And Paizo, who I remind you is their biggest competitor, announces that they're going to do their own open reference content. I saw content. that. They were making their own license. Yeah. And then
0: started pulling in other collaborators and companies to go under it.
1: So at the end of the day, all that wizards has really done is drive away a huge portion of their player base. They have gutted the ability of D and D beyond to be able to make as much money as it could have. I don't know what their active user base is. So I can't say what percentage of people went away, but 18,000 people is not a small number of people. So, and and then beyond that, they've now, the only way that they could get out of it was by now just turning it into something that is completely outside of their control, creative commons, and let people go do what they want.
2: So this whole event, though, one thing that keeps crossing my mind is they may have set in motion a series of events that they can never stop. Absolutely. Which which is to say that, like, I I, I find it hard to imagine a tabletop world without D&D. To your points earlier, mm-hmm. however, um, the the impact, uh, sort of the impetus is actually the better word, the impetus they gave to Paizo, where they, uh, as Daniel pointed out, basically started forming a coalition yeah. of yeah. other game, like that, that inertia that they just gave to another army of competitors to become a unified front I don't think that's something they can stop and I don't yeah. think it's going yeah. to stop even with this new licensing I don't think that's going to stop in fact I think they have just started their own their own tsunami against themselves and this is going to carry on for years to come and players are going to jump to new systems or to existing systems and the D&D population is going to become anemic. It'll never hit zero I don't think. It'll never be zero because there's it's been around for like freaking five decades now But uh, but I think we're about to witness the most enormous exodus from the seminal RPG into other systems that we've ever seen
1: I want to hear what Dan has to say on this too and then I have some predictions for you before we head out. That's exactly the right move. Yeah,
0: I mean, honestly, um, I mean what I was gonna start with, you know, I, I'm done buying Dungeons and Dragons not books. I have enough content. I mean I have from second edition all the way to fifth. I don't need to buy another book. And because of what's happened, I'm not. I can still play Dungeons and Dragons without buying another single book. Yeah. However, because of this, I do feel like they've lost the trust in their their customer base and they're going to try to roll out D and D one. It's going to flop. Sadly, I'm really sad. It's you know, the new D and D movie, which actually looks like it could be a decent movie is probably not going to do well because people are going to be up in arms against it. And Hasbro has lost this license. It's going to dwindle to the point where they're going to have to sell it off. Some other company will buy it. Then I think we'll start seeing, something come back but with the creative commons we'll probably still see a lot of good dnd content but it won't be dnd uh per per se um it won't have that official name but I... it's just it's sad it's sad to see all they had to do was say we screwed up and they wouldn't be in the spot they are but at this point you know yeah the Gauls have broke through the walls. They're rushing Rome and they're setting it on fire.
1: Yeah. When bank of America issued its double downgrade a few months ago, saying that the bottom out price of Hasbro was going to be at $35. I believed that the price was going to drop, but I didn't think that it was going to hit $35 because as I said, at the time, the only way that it would get that low is if they also screwed up D and D. Um, and they did (laughs) they did uh i haven't checked hasbro's price recently but uh, i'm gonna watch it real careful and any extra pennies that i have are gonna go into that because here is my prediction on all of this i think both of you are partially correct okay dungeons and dragons official content produced by wizards of the coast slash hasbro and i will probably stop using Wizards of the Coast as its own name because this has been the final mark that shows that they are just Hasbro now yeah um, in my opinion is going to really struggle and their aim to get D&D 1 onto as many tables as possible is now harder than it has ever been 5th edition is at its core a really good system yeah um it is aimed towards a more beginner friendly mode of play it's relatively easy to understand and it has a huge library of content at this point um so convincing players not only to abandon their fifth edition content but come back to a company who has just openly flipped them the bird and then continued to flip them the bird as they politely covered it with their hand and said, oh no, this is a win for everybody. That's just, that's going to be a hard sell. Eventually the internet will move on and there will always be new people coming into the game who never heard about this drama at all. So Wizards of the Coast is not going anywhere. Dungeons and Dragons as an intellectual property and as a game is not going anywhere. I do see a massive wave in other RPG systems. That's going to be huge. But beyond that, I'm also calling it right now, the two-year timer has started. There will be a D&D 5th edition wave that is even bigger than the one we saw the first time. But it's not going to be backed by Wizards of the Coast Hasbro. It is going to be primarily in the hands of independent creators and small publishers who are going to be creating content that not only has now completely abandoned the pretext that it has to be perfectly compatible with official content, but beyond that is now going to be competing with other people with the same passion and therefore will have to be higher quality and more accessible and more affordable than it has ever been. The initial brunt of that wave, I think, is coming in two years. I think we're going to see the height of it in about three, but get ready for it. And at the same time, expect a lot of new content from all of these middle ground publishers who have never had the chance until this point to be as big as Dungeons & Dragons. We're going to see a lot of movement into non-fantasy RPGs that actually hit the mainstream, unlike Starfinder. We're going to see things like Vampire the Masquerade, Call of Cthulhu, that are going to go through the roof as people try to approach those types of content. Mm-hmm. GURPS is growing in popularity. Yeah, I again. think. You're, yeah, again. I think you're going to see a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse stuff, but mm-hmm. I also think that you're going to see a number of new systems coming out. The Avatar Legends role-playing game from Magpie happened to arrive on my doorstep the same week that all of this stuff was going down. And, and that's Avatar Airbender? yeah avatar the last yeah. airbender yeah what a what a convenient time for <laughs> you know a hundred thousand people to all of a sudden receive a brand new content based in a completely different ip that is already a little under leveraged and a little underproduced yeah like what well, yeah you're just gonna see this whole thing explode well in, not in that a good I mean, way. you're seeing a bunch of other people stepping up i
0: mean montcook games is putting out their new cypher unlimited system um, there. I, I I'm going to. It's going to be exciting. I mean, a lot of authors. I mean,
1: I'm well, waiting I've been to watching see the Pondsmiths, man. I, I'm yeah, waiting I, to see I, what Mike Pondsmith puts out. Cyberpunk yeah, stuff, Witcher yeah. stuff.
0: I've been I've been watching a lot of the authors. Uh, you know, the big name authors, authors I know, authors we've had on our show, and they're like, you know, why 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 play D and D anymore? Look at all these other great systems. They're smaller. You don't know about them. But here's my giant mountain of books. You know, take a look. Pick one. Um, There's so many great tabletop games to pick from. And it's, you know, Wizards has been on the top. You know, there's been a couple of times where Paizo's kind of crept up and poked ahead of them. Um, You know, especially back before 5th came out. But once 5th came out, they kind of jumped back on top. Mm -hmm. I really feel like they shot themselves in the foot so much. I don't know if they're going to recover because Paizo and this coalition is probably going to keep stomping
1: on them. Their game will flourish. Their profits will dwindle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can I, uh, can I do a uh, quick self-promote tease? as long as we're. Of course you can. I just wanted to make sure to say this as someone who loves creating content as someone who has spent a lot of time at a lot of tables and who has been fortunate enough to be very occasionally hired to do something fun for somebody. Part of the reason that I'm so passionate about this and why I believe that it will work is because I have been working on my own system for a while. And um, it's been very much in the blue sky phase, but I've started putting together a team. Um, and we've had just a few meetings at this point um, while all the OGL stuff was going on coincidentally and have started building that content out. I don't want to promise anybody timelines or dates, but with people now finally being willing to shake the shackles of Dungeons & Dragons and needing to be bound to the official role-playing game, I think, there's a, I think there's an opportunity to do some better things in this sphere. And I hope that I can come back in a year or two and make a bigger announcement. But uh, until that point, it's been an absolute pleasure this evening, gentlemen. And thank you again for, for being able to bring me on and talk about this. This is a huge passion of mine. Um, disclaimers as always, I am not a lawyer. I'm not a financial analyst. Do not take anything that I say as legal advice and always consult your own legal advice when it's time for you to make your decisions as to how to handle your own intellectual properties games systems etc um but the field is a lot more level than it's ever been and people who are willing to put in the time effort and energy i think are going to be able to create some really really good content in the next two years true story
0: yeah well, and, and the great thing is, is you can still create a great system and use fantasy elements with dragons and wizards and dwarves and halflings and everything else. And it's not D and D; it's not copyrighted. You know, we we've seen hundreds of movies that involve wizards and dwarves and stuff and dragons. So, um, no, it's exciting. It is an exciting time. It's sad to see one of my favorite games falling, um, but. You know, it the game will still survive. I can still play it. People can still play it, you know. And if you choose not to buy another book or to support d d Beyond or anything like that, that's okay. You can still play this game and not buy content and support Hasbro or Wizards. But if you want to support other game systems, do it. I mean, that is the great thing. There are companies out there that are putting out great content and they do it because the focus is on their fans. It's on the people that play at the table. It's not about the dollar, and I think that's the biggest problem here, and that's the biggest downfall the Wizards have had. It's for some time, it hasn't been about the players. It's been about the dollar, and that's where you lose. You know, when you forget about the consumer, you forget about your market and your audience. Then you're just gonna make misstep after misstep like we saw so if
1: your product is good your audience will follow but if you chase away your audience it doesn't matter how good your product is
0: yeah yeah which is sad you know because who knows DD one could be a great product it could be a really fun game but with a lot of the stuff that's come out about it I was already kind of on the fence if i was even going to continue to buy books and then this all happened and that just was the deciding factor like wow you know, all I wanted was just one moment of honesty and you would have had me, but you lost me. So, and I, and I you know, and if you had decided, you know, listeners, if you've decided to stay on the D&D bandwagon, do it. Yes. That is your choice. You know, I know where I, I stand and if that's where you stand, that's fine. Please don't think that we, we, we're going to hate you or dislike you or anything else uh, in that manner. What you decide what you want to play is all that matters. We just want to give you some information and provide some background on this uh because it is a very hot topic as of late. And it is, you know, in our wheelhouse we are dungeon crawlers and that's what you do when you're playing D&D. So uh is there anything else we want to throw out before we call it uh, you know, call the show.
1: Be kind uh, to each other. Yes. Be, and 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 don't assume that the first opinion is the only opinion or the only one that's valid. Just because an idea is tenacious doesn't mean that it's good. And just because a take is hot doesn't mean that it's accurate. I'm confident that there are things that I have said incorrectly today and we will continue to say things incorrectly as we blunder blindly into the future, moving as closely as we can towards that golden day. Yes. But in the meantime, our first job above all else is to be human be kind because if you can be kind to other people and you can be kind to yourself, you're going to be able to make something great.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, even what looking at some of the, the comments that have been going back and forth, there are some people that, you know, they're standing strong. They are defending D and D and that's great. And then there are other people that are just berating them and then and vice versa. And it's, it's just too bad that we can, you know, I remember when we used to be able to have good conversations And debate, even though we're on opposite sides of the fence. I mean, we even did it on the uh, Andor episode. uh, Andor episode. You know, Krebs and I were on opposite sides of that fence, but we still love each other. We're still good friends. We got to have that conversation too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you know, that's the great thing, and I, I hope we can get to that where we can have those type of conversations where there, I, you know, we're on the polar opposites. We're still okay. We're still friends. And at the end of the day, it's all about we're passionate about it. We have a great conversation and we part as friends and we have fun playing whatever game or whatever system it is that we choose to play and love. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, despite whatever happens, we'll make that happen. So. All right, folks. It's that time we're out of here we've talked your ear off hopefully it's been entertaining hopefully it's been informative but more importantly we hope it's been freaking amazing because you've heard the lovely somber tones of alton and with that said we'll catch you next time
1: and dungeon crawlers tell your story whatever may come
2: and whether you are brand new to our show Or you've been listening long enough to miss Alton Almost as much as I have Always remember to be epic And don't
0: suck Remember, the Force will be with you Always